0: Once a government employee filing paper applications in triplicate, Sarah Tolson shares her experiences to build systems that automate those workflows and help government run more efficiently. Welcome to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow Developer Podcast. Here's your host, Chuck Tomasi. Hello, ServiceNow admins, builders, developers, and I'm talking to you. Yes, you, you curious individuals that I say with the utmost love and respect. In this episode, I'm joined by the lovely Sarah Tolson, rock star, now developer at Glidefast, super mom, and wife of another name you might recognize, but we'll get to that in a little bit. So how are you today, Sarah? I'm doing pretty good. How's that for a rock star intro? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel all pumped up now. We need music or something. You need some walk-on music for that thing. <laughs> Well, welcome to Breakpoint. Before we begin, I always like to get to know our guests. So tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Uh, well, I've been a ServiceNow developer for about three years. Uh, before that, I actually did look over the shoulder of my husband, Travis, and actually ghosted some service portal design for him. So, uh, uh I've been watching the ServiceNow industry for a very long time now, but uh, my background is actually very non-IT. Um, I was trained to be a city manager. I have my master's in public administration, so government uh, work is my first love. Um, and then I actually taught myself graphic design and development, so uh,
0: it's been quite a ride. And we're going to get back to that non-IT stuff in just a minute because I really want to dive in deep in your transition and how that went and what you see it, because I, I'd like to hear someone else's perspective. But before we do that, what do you enjoy doing when you're not at work?
1: I, I like to tell people that I identify as a 16-year-old boy. Um, my interests are pretty much there. I love to play video games. I'm a total nerd. I play Dungeons and Dragons with both a group of fellow devs at Glidefast and a group of designers that I know. Um I do that. I do a little bit of design work and uh, art just in my spare time, just for fun. And then, of course, there's different things I do with the kids and the family and, you know, throw paper balls at uh, my office mate whenever I
0: get the chance, you know, things like that. For some reason, the first thing I think of, you said 16-year-old boy? Yes. I, I was going down the path of dirty jokes, but we won't do
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that uh, Travis has pointed out, Sarah, you need to be careful about saying that. I'm like, well, yes, but I mean, it's it's not untrue, so. <laughs>
0: uh, you, you mentioned your husband, Travis, who also mm-hmm. works at GlideFast in the ServiceNow space. Perhaps we'll get him on the show at some point. How did you two meet?
1: Uh, we met through mutual friends. We didn't attend the same school. Um, but they introduced us and uh, it actually at church where I grew up and uh, we became friends there and uh, became really good friends and just kept contact after school and then decided that we needed to stay together for longer. So here we are.
0: <laughs> you just decided. We, that's an interesting. We should stay together
1: longer. <laughs> we should stick together. This this works for me.
0: Uh, do, you, do you have a contract nearby that I could draw up? <laughs> Not quite that bad. Let's talk a little bit more about your career. What challenges did you face when you came from a non-IT career to being a ServiceNow developer?
1: Well, code developing in and of itself was something that I always liked and piddled around and wasn't necessarily terrified of it. Um, I was the middle schooler with a side on, Angel Fire, you know, because we all played around with that and blinking text and, you know, all that fun things. Uh, but, uh, the idea of doing JavaScript was terrifying for me. Um, and as a freelance designer, I was doing WordPress sites and, uh, you know, putting those together, things like that. And, uh, the thing that actually sold me was Travis looking over my shoulder and saying, you know, that's a whole lot easier in service portal.
0: Mm.
1: And I was like, okay, okay, fine, fine. Um, but the, the biggest challenge I would say um, was just getting in. I was very fortunate to have him to uh, introduce me to people, introduce me to the folks at Glidefast and everything. And I've loved working there. Um, but and this is something I've also noticed as people are now coming to me looking for positions. Um, it, it seems to be kind of a walled garden in that if you don't know people, it is that much more difficult to get in. Um, and I think, coming from an entirely non-IT background if I did not have that connection it would have been difficult for me um, the the learning the system and all that really wasn't that difficult because I had outside experience that I could use to build on that as a designer and everything so I'd say the 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 worst part of it was learning JavaScript but that's that's coming along
0: so I, I like your comment about you know, knowing somebody, and we're going to do more on this show about networking and introductions. So, dear listener, stay tuned. We have more of those career tips coming. The one with Dan Bellina on the last episode was hugely popular, and thank you for everybody for sharing that. It's been wonderful. However, I want to I want to swing this a little bit, and and I'm sorry if this sounds too much like a job interview question, but where do you see your career? Now that you've launched it on ServiceNow, where do you see that career going in the future?
1: I have ADHD, so that's a very open-ended question for someone like me. Um, I want to stay on the platform. I really enjoy it. I really love seeing what uh, I build. I love seeing it in the hands of people and how much good it does, how much I am able to influence people's uh, day-to-day lives for the better. Um, in the future, um, the initiative I'm working on right now with GlideFast is called FastGov, uh, which is the product of me coming on board with FastGov and telling Mike Lombardo, state and local government, this is the thing. We need to do this. And him saying, OK, Sarah. And so uh, we are building a uh, an application industry solution that is geared to provide uh, help, help governments serve their citizens better. Uh, Mm -hmm. A lot of it is like a public facing portal and the workflows and things like that. And as somebody who has worked in government, I see the paper processes, the file and triplicate, the, um, the workflows that aren't automated and i see and this is another thing that really pushed me to consider working in serviceNow platform was just how much good could be done for the people that i worked with at city hall for the people that work in those departments that are helping to administer benefits and uh, help our most vulnerable citizens and helping to support the communities and you know making sure the christmas parade goes off right you know stuff like that i, I love the idea of helping those people do their jobs better and i love the idea of making applying for government services, whether that's a building permit or uh, you know WIC benefits. I, I love the thought of making things from both ends just so much easier. Um, I think our communities are ready for it. So for the future, I'd love to see that grow and expand uh, to a place where uh, we can help uh, governments with many different processes by having something that's ready to go. Um, and I also I've kind of split because I really love that end of things. And I also want to uh master the new now experience framework and uh, continue to make beautiful experiences on that because it's just so much fun.
0: So as you were talking, one potential path I could see, you tell me if this is interesting or not, is is almost like a product manager where you're interfacing with the customer to understand what the requirements are in that government space. You obviously have some wonderful experience, which really, really helps because as a citizen, I go to the DMV and I go, oh, man, I can fix this on service now. And then, yeah. you know, you've got that other side of the counter experience where you can understand what that process is and how to fix it so the citizens are benefiting. But if, if you were to, you know, expand and elevate and Glidefast were to grow in this, you know, fed federal space where you could say, all right, Sarah, you've now got a team of people that are going to implement this stuff tell them what they need to be effective. Uh, Would a product management or lead position like that be interesting in the next few years?
1: Absolutely. That would be amazing, especially to help kind of direct it and then have those conversations with uh, state departments, with uh, mayors, elected officials, to find out what they need and what's going to help them run more efficiently. That would be wonderful,
0: especially to have a team underneath me. I I may have mentioned it on this show before. My brother is the chief of police for a city in California. And he comes to me regularly, like how soon can the state of California get this? Because he's managing the fire department and the public safety and the, you know, the, the, the maintenance crews. And it's, it's, it's amazing what falls under the chief of police police's oh, yeah. uh, purview. And he's saying, I, I have calls coming into the call center here, and you know, it's a big mess. And every time we have a conversation, they're like, I really want that. Can you build that for me? I really want that. <laughs> so there is a huge appetite among the government officials to get this in their hands.
1: And especially one of the things I see that ServiceNow can do, uh, Mm -hmm. you talk about him having all these multiple areas of responsibility. Uh, A lot of times in local governments, uh, you'll have one department that has one little application that does one little thing and another department that's paid for a different application. And none of it talks, none of it's on the same platform. And uh, a lot of it is very uh, outdated or... The vendor wants you to pay anytime you want to change anything. And uh, I love that ServiceNow will not only give these governments, the flexibility to change as they need to, but uh, it's going to allow them to have all that in one place so that the police chief can see maintenance stuff. They can see the fire department uh, reporting, you know, everything they need right in one place. Uh, I've talked to a couple of mayors that are looking for the same thing, looking for a system where they can see metrics and data from across all of their different cities, departments in one place. And ServiceNow is just so perfect for that.
0: I know it's a bit retrospective, but I believed right from the beginning of the current COVID crisis that if we had it Im- had implemented an emergency management, the, vir- the the vaccine rollouts, everything at a federal level instead of every municipality and city and county doing their own thing, that would have been so much more effective. The information flow would have just been terrific. I, it, oh but, yeah, you know, yeah. It, it's, hindsight is twenty twenty for the. <laughs> next virus outbreak, we'll get it right.
1: Yeah, for the next <laughs> pandemic, we're so ready. <laughs>
0: We've got this one understood. We Hopefully, we don't have to wait another hundred years. I say that in jest. I know there are still people that are suffering, so please don't write me any hate mail. Yeah. That's, uh, best wishes, and everybody, please stay safe. Do the right thing. I know as we record this, there's a huge crisis going on in India, and we wish them all the best. Yeah. So back to your career, now, for several years, you were a graphic designer and front end developer. You mentioned WordPress, and we had a bit of a story before we started recording about that. Uh, how has that helped you with your work with ServiceNow?
1: Well, um, like I mentioned, I've got to where a lot of my focus, especially initially, was on Service Portal. Um, and what I have come to find is that a lot of the attitudes in our industry regarding Uh, service portal regarding design is that it's an afterthought it's just the paint you put on the walls after the functionality is put in
0: place (laughs) and uh yeah exactly (laughs) like
1: i could rant all day about the importance of design that's a bit Um, like saying
0: security is an afterthought to an application no exactly no no
1: and the the way i frame this conversation both to my coworkers and to um and to my clients is look That service portal is your your user's first impression of your customer service and everything you have to offer through the the ServiceNow platform. Um, That first impression matters, and it's going to help them decide whether or not they are going to to adopt and use it. And you know what? If your users don't adopt, uh, all that money you spent on that awesome functionality doesn't matter. Um, So I have enjoyed... The using my knowledge of design of UI UX principles um, to educate about the importance of ServiceNow to kind of help drive user adoption and things like that. But also, I've noted that there are so many developers that have come to me, and they could script circles around me, and they know the platform way better than me, um, and they've been on the platform longer than me. But uh, one thing they've come to me and said is that, you know, Sarah, I can do this and that, but... I don't want to pick fonts. I don't want to pick colors. (laughs) Uh -uh. That's me. Do not ask. uh -uh. Uh,
0: I can Um, spend days tweaking CSS.
1: (laughs) Oh my goodness. CSS is like, that's my jam. That's where I live. Um, But I I love being in that place, not only where I can show the value of design, but also to come along and help and uh, guide and say, Hey, I understand. I'm here to help. Let me, you know, make sure our customers see the success that they need. Um, and uh, I've tried to do a little bit to teach uh, different design principles and different uh, uh, different techniques that people can use and take to their clients or their organizations to uh, uh, improve the design and the outlook for their uh, end-user experiences.
0: You hit on a couple of points that I want to back up to. Uh, that working together between designers and Engineers, I'll call them, or the you know, the more technical, Mm -hmm. technical consultants, the ones who know the back end is imperative because that's the only way you're going to get this done effectively. There there are people I I learned this early in my career, especially when the web was coming around, that every web developer is not a good designer. And every Mm -hmm. good designer is not necessarily a good (laughs) developer. But if you harness the power of everybody's talents and you work together throughout the whole project lifecycle you can come up with some magnificent experiences it's it's amazing what happens when you put those talents together rather than throwing it over the wall and yeah you got to have the data model built out before you start putting i hate to say it like you know we start putting the paint on the house you got oh, the yeah. framework up but my my tenet has always been begin with the end in mind. I stole that from a management principal or somewhere time management thing. I forgot mm-hmm. if it was Stephen Covey or Peter Drucker or whatever. That but sounds familiar. And unless you know what your outcomes are expected, you don't know what to build at first. If somebody says, I just put a field here and a field there, it's like, why? What What are you doing? There's, Give me a purpose. <laughs> give me a reason. As a developer, you need to understand what those are. And you say, what are you driving towards? Let's look at the report you're trying to do. Let's look at the website we're trying to build. Let's look at the experience that the customer is moving through as they get this uh, requests submitted, or find out if a park is available, or ordering a pizza, or whatever it is, let's walk through a day in the life of that, and that will tell me what tables I need to build, and how the relationships go, and what scripting needs to be done to perform that logic that's, I, I don't, it, it feels like a backwards design, but it's also, it, it focuses on the outcomes first. Oh yeah.
1: It's, it's uh and I, I like to call it user-centric design. I like to yes. say, remember, we are develop- developing this stuff for people, for people with lives and dogs and cars that break down in the middle <laughs> of the day yeah. and kids they have to pick up from school, you know these are people let's do something that is going to make the experience enjoyable and not a burden to them. And I I think ultimately that is the goal, like, especially for government. I always love to give the example of designing for Becky. Um, When I worked at city hall, I worked under a city clerk who was just this amazing lady. Uh, She was in her uh, mid to upper sixties and she was just the quintessential sweet Southern uh, motherly figure um and uh she did many good things many things well as a city clerk and she made this cornbread that she would bring to our potlucks and everything for the city hall employees that we would all like fight over the last piece it was so good but she'd be the first to tell you i don't do computers too good and in my mind if i have created a portal or a website or whatever that doesn't work for her, I failed. It doesn't matter how pretty it is. And that's, that's what I hope people see about design. Design is not just the aesthetic design is can all of my users use this? Can Becky find out what to get? Can she get to what she needs without too much trouble? So design for Becky.
0: I love when people attach a persona like that to their stories. Your your story of Becky reminds me of Fred Luddy's origin story, where he talks about Phyllis. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard that story, but it it, it to paraphrase, he was a young college student working at a, his first company, and he he really hadn't done a whole lot of computer work up to that point. But he he found this woman was frustrated at her software because she was manually entering. Her data, and this was in the green screen terminal days, and every record had a lot of repetitive information. And Mm -hmm. she said, if only I could just get the last screen to show up on the current screen and I'll change a few things and move on, it would save me so much time. So he went off and did this. I I think it was like an overnight effort, came back. And Phyllis broke down in tears when you know, that was the origin of insert and stay, if you want to think of it that way.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> and uh, he said, well, I didn't know I could make people cry by being a programmer.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's funny, you mentioned that 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 conversation between engineers and designers and it, being in the middle of that has been a really interesting place because I've been on both ends. I have had a designer give me mock-ups that were just that left so much, so many more questions than answers. So I have actually worked with, uh, uh, I'm on the board for the AIGA chapter down in Mobile, Alabama still because we just recently moved, but you know, that's how it goes. Um, And I I do a lot to educate designers, especially the students when I review their portfolios and stuff. You need to show that you're thinking about the entire user experience with this. Uh, When I hover on this, what does it do? Where does this link to? What does this look like on mobile? Um, And so I I know that, uh, that there has been talk about engineers not seeing the value of design, but a lot of times designers, on the other hand, need to also be educated on the best way to work with those engineers in order to create a product that considers all of the use cases. Um, So it's been really interesting to kind of be, have like one foot on each side of that line. Um, But the, the engineers that I have worked with, my fellow developers have been really great about asking the right questions or understanding what I'm what I'm putting towards them as a like a mock up or a design or whatever. Um but yeah, it's it's definitely a conversation that needs to be encouraged on both ends.
0: That reminds me of something earlier in my career as well and and it just the the underlying fact is if you want to elevate your career, you have to look at more aspects than just what is in front of your what's on your desk today. Oh yeah. You have to be understanding of what inputs are you receiving and what outputs do you need to produce to where do you fit in that pipeline and how can you overall improve that Uh, early in my career i was uh, it support for an engineering company and it was the electronics engineering test and manufacturing Mm -hmm. and early on it was customer comes with an idea the engineers would design circuit board whatever and throw it over to the wall of manufacturing and go, here, now you guys crank out a thousand of these a week. And in manufacturing, would get this and say, but you've built things in here that aren't practical or they yeah. take a long time because we now have to manually solder these components rather than, can we work for that? And <laughs> they used to call that DFX where it was designed for manufacturing, designed for test, designed for whatever. Mm-hmm. And And when we recognize that, and coupled those closer and got the manufacturing people into the discussion earlier and got the designers into manufacturing a lot later, there was more of this crossover of who's talking with the customer and when to understand what the requirements and the outcomes were. Oh, yeah. It, it really made for a better customer experience and their customers had better time with the product too. So think about not only what work you've got on your desk, but- who does it impact upstream and downstream and work closer with them even if it's anything from coding to uh you're handing it off to the marketing team or you know some at some point it will be handed off to the marketing team or the technical consultants in front of you or the process owners behind you you know, all that kind of stuff really plays into a much better experience and i know that sometimes as technical people we we think But I don't need more work. It actually, the net result is less work and less rework, which is expensive. Especially the rework. You've got two sons. And if I remember right, it was 11 years and 23 months. Yes. Are they showing any interest in following in mom and dad's footsteps?
1: Well, the little one is insatiably curious. He has got this thirst for learning. Uh, so nothing would really surprise me in that regard. You know, he's the one that'll learn to code, but learn just enough to be dangerous and then go take over the world or something with it. I don't know. (laughs) Um, the older one, he, we've started having those talks about what he wants to do. And he's very, he's very open with, I don't know, I'm trying to figure it out, but I'm 11, so I'm not in a hurry. Um, so not yet. But uh, they they are very well aware that we're very open, and especially uh, Travis is a very good teacher. Um, I love seeing him work not only with our kids, but also with people in the community and the way he uh, imparts his wisdom. But uh, the, especially the 11-year-old knows that he's got all the resources in the world if he wants to go down that path. So
0: Wonderful. Yeah, I, there's still time for the 11-year-old to change his mind. I remember when our oldest daughter was about the age of your youngest, about 23 months, somewhere in that 12 to 36 month, there were significant clues about what was to come. And I really wanted to turn the book ahead and go, how does this story end? And now that I'm kind of at that point where she's an adult and has a career of her own, I, I look back on it and go, wow, those were some pretty significant clues.
1: But yeah, the the, the teasing out those little things and seeing where they go, the, the baby already, he has this book called... Uh, I forget what it's like, the, the important words for nerds or something like that. It's like a, it's like a word book, but nerdy stuff. Um, and he looks at the rebel soldier from Star Wars in it. And my husband has taught him to call him rebel scum. And I'm like, no, he's not scum. Ah. But then uh, there's a for loop on the page. So now both when he looks at sees the for loop in the book and when he sees our code editors on our computer screens, he looks at and he goes, that's the code he he understands that and it's just it's just mind-boggling to watch
0: wow that's cool i love that story that just the opportunities that they're going to have and to recognize those traits and foster them oh yeah is is reward in itself and they grow up so fast take lots of oh, pictures my and videos yes. <laughs> Oh, we do. Oh, man. Because those moments, they never come back. All right, we're getting a little sappy here. (laughs) (laughs) I I do recall a couple of years ago, you texted me because we were both at Dragon Con in Atlanta, Georgia, and we arranged to meet up to get a selfie and send it to Travis, but I never heard back. What was his reaction from that?
1: So... (laughs) This is one of our favorite stories to relay to people in the industry. So let me tell you about both of our experiences with Chuck Tomasi, that sort of thing. Beforehand, tra- I told Travis, I saw a Chuck post in the, the Dragon Con thing on Facebook. He's going, so I'm going to try to catch up with him. And Travis is like, you don't just reach out to Chuck Tomasi. He's Chuck Tomasi. And I was like, well, that's not how I operate. So, you know, here we go. What can it hurt? And then afterwards, I sent him that picture and he's like, Of course you hung out with Tomasi at Dragon Con. I just, he is, it's so funny because I'm the more outgoing of the two of us. And uh, it it consistently baffles him how I just like get along with people and just kind of find my way. And uh, I'd like to joke with him that I came to Glidefest and I kind of stole people out, his people out from under him (laughs) and made them my people. And uh, he always ends up shaking his head because it's like, no matter where I go, I find like uh, air quotes, my people, uh, like if, if we're with a client and if any of them, if any of them are nerdy people with similar interest to mine, I'm going to find them. It's going to work itself out in conversation. And then we're just going to be best friends for the remainder of the uh, project or what have you. And it, he just will, I'll start talking with about this kind of stuff on a client call. And he's like, are you kidding me? So he, he was just baffled that, that it actually happened. And I love that. That just made my day. He got to meet you a few years earlier at, uh, at Knowledge, um, and I was like, well, I didn't, didn't get to go to Knowledge, or I'm not going to get to go to Knowledge, so I need some Knowledge in my life. So there you are.
0: <laughs> Next year. Next year, we're all going to get together at Knowledge 22. Oh, uh, I hope so. But if anybody has that perception that Travis had, that I'm on some kind of pedestal and I'm unapproachable, that's not the case. I, I'm I'm a developer like you. I write my code mm-hmm. one bug at a time. It's it it, it, uh, it. There's nothing really special other than I have a camera and a microphone. <laughs> we all breathe the same air. We're just human beings, and we have slightly different jobs. But oh yeah. If we're ever in the same place, I ho- look forward to meeting up with any one of you viewers or listeners out there. That's the, that's a treat for me.
1: I will say that uh, the year Travis came home from knowledge and had met you, that is what he talked about, how approachable you were and uh, how easy it was to talk to you and just what a great storyteller you were, which you are, which you are.
0: All right, back to the platform. What is one thing you would like to see changed in the platform?
1: The new now experience framework is amazing and I love it and it's so cool, but I need it to have mobile compatibility because right now it does not. And I can't go to the government clients that I have and recommend that to them without the government, the mobile compatibility. Cause a lot of times mm-hmm. this is why mobile is so important in government. Um, a lot of times your citizens that most need those government services, whether it's a uh, TANF or WIC or uh, whatever, um, the only access to the internet they have is on a mobile device. Um, So I look at the now the now experience framework and I see like, oh my gosh, I could make these amazing experiences both for the government workers processing those requests and for the end users on it, except they can't use it well on mobile. So if I could change anything, um, it would be that Um, a close second would be the ability to change what the uh, service catalog item button says, Um, because you can only pick like three options. I'm like, just let me pick it. Let me do a text field and make anything, but that would be a close <laughs> second, but the, you know, but, um, the mobile compatibility would be a big thing for me. I would love to see that. And I know that, uh, now has got a lot of things going on right now. Um, within the next two versions, I can only imagine, but that would just make my day. Cause then I could start to fully encourage, uh, my clients and, uh, create solutions on that new framework because it's awesome. And I really want to, you know, help, help foster that transition.
0: Now, have they thought about using the native mobile application, either agent or now mobile?
1: With, um, governments specifically, you want to have as few barriers to entry as possible. So if you're, I think the mobile app, that would be like a, a separate download, a separate place you have to access and things like that. Mm-hmm. And that's going to hurt user adoption. Um, the, the access to services is such a huge concern that, uh, and a lot of these, uh, federal applications, you can't even use mandatory fields because requiring a field to be mandatory can hurt their ability to submit it. You have to let them submit a blank application. As I, I like to try and at least allow that opportunity from within the platform. Um, maybe in addition to mobile, maybe some governments might use that. But uh, if, if uh, the government only wants to have one point of access and not require them to download an app, then... I,
0: that would really help. Is this, I'm, I'm probably getting a little off base here, but is this targeted towards the citizens of that government or the government officials and, and employees themselves?
1: The desire for mobile is for the citizens.
0: Gotcha. Yes, that I will agree that loading an app to access, you know, state of Tennessee or something is is mm-hmm. going to be a barrier. Agreed.
1: Oh yeah. Oh Yeah. And the state of Tennessee was one of those projects that I got to be a part of and absolutely enjoyed the experience. Um, we, uh, when my first was born, we had to use some of those government programs just, you know, right after the, uh, the recession hit and everything. And it was such a privilege to help them uh, bring those, bring access to those services to Life on ServiceNow. I think it's still in development right now, but uh, that was a really fun project to work on.
0: Uh, As we wind down, now that you've made this transition from a non-IT career to a tech career, what are some words of advice you have for someone getting started as a ServiceNow developer?
1: Um, Don't be intimidated. The platform is huge. Uh, Pick a part of it, especially now. It wasn't huge years ago, but now it is. Um, Pick a part of it that you're interested in, you enjoy, and dive in and learn it. Um, And I will say that the ServiceNow community is so open and accepting um, made it very easy to pick up a few things, uh, to learn the platform and all that. Um, but I think even more so than that, uh, work with people you love, um, especially as a consultant, the, the work we do is very intense at times and, uh, working with people that you really jive with can do a lot of good, especially when you're burning the midnight oil to meet a deadline or something like that.
0: Good advice. Well, thank you very much for joining us today, Sarah. And before we leave, can you let the listener know how they can get in touch with you?
1: Uh, You can get in touch with me on LinkedIn. I think uh, the little backslash thing for me is just S Tolson, And then my website is portalorum.com.
0: Well, thank you very much. And I will be sure to include the links in the show notes. Thank you, wonderful listener, for joining us today. And don't forget to check out the other ServiceNow podcasts. You can find them at community.servicenow.com under the resources menu. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and get it for free to have it automatically delivered to you. You can do that by following the link devlink.sn. break point Again, thank you so much for sharing today, Sarah. It's been a pleasure. All right. Thank you, Chuck. Please let us
1: know what you think about this podcast. You can leave feedback or ask questions in the ServiceNow
0: community. For more great information on ServiceNow development, check out the ServiceNow developer portal at developer.servicenow.com. Thanks for listening.